How's it going, everybody? This is the Dual Threat Podcast, your daily news source for all things sports. I'm Jacob. I'm Michael. And uh, today we're going to be bringing you our recap of uh, Week Eight in the NFL this week. Um, so, without further ado, I say uh, I say let's get right into it. Um, make sure to hit that like button and hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Um, our our number is like fifty something percent of people who watch our videos aren't subscribed. So. Uh, Go ahead and hit the sub button. That'll be a big help for us. Um, kicking things right off, uh, going into the noon game, um, Bills versus Patriots. So what do you think about that one? I mean, you look at the stats, and I feel like looking at the stat sheet, the Patriots should have won this game, and they had a... <laughs> um, you're looking at the stat sheet, I feel like the Patriots should have won this game, but... I mean, they had the chance at the end with the Cam Newton fumble, and this is actually the first time that the Bills have beat the Patriots since 2016. Um, and I don't think it came at the hands of Josh Allen. It really came at the hands of Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. I mean, they combined for 167, and Moss had two touchdowns to help out with that. And Josh Allen also had a rushing touchdown. But um, when it comes to passing the ball, Josh Allen didn't really look that solid. I mean, he had 154 yards, but he only threw the ball 18 times, and he had one interception. So from a passing standpoint, it wasn't a very solid game for the Bills, but I guess their defense at the end getting that fumble for uh, with Cam Newton was just enough to push them over the edge. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at you look at it. Josh Allen, like you said, threw the ball 18 times. Um, it seemed like the Bills' game plan coming into this game was uh, stay away from the Pats' corners um, because – their DBs um, are definitely the strong suit of that defense. Um, and so, yeah, like you said, they uh, they just ran the ball all game long. Um, Diggs uh, had 92 of Josh Allen's 154. Uh, but, yeah, Josh Allen did not look great, 11 for 18, uh, 154 and a pick. Um, he, he did get that rushing touchdown, and it seemed like his best throw of the day was uh, – chucking the ball into the into the wall after that rushing touchdown because uh, he did not look great throwing. Um, but, yeah, they come out on top. Defense makes a huge play getting Cam to fumble. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they uh, – Patriots had a chance. They were on the 10, 12-yard line-ish. Uh, easy field goal. Easy field goal to tie it, send it to OT, and Cam just uh, – Cam put the ball on the ground, which you really just cannot do in that situation. Um yeah, the Patriots. Patriots don't look good. No, they do. Not. They do not look good this season. And uh, um, Bill Belichick said at the end of the game in an interview, he said something like, um, "This has happened four times where they've been in a, a really good spot for either a come behind victory or like a like a game tying drive at the end of the game, and they just haven't capitalized on it." So, I mean, you hear that and four times. So they're getting in those positions. It's just little stuff like a, like the fumble that's just that's why they're two and five. And so, um, and so I guess it's a good thing that they're at least getting in those positions, but you just, I mean, especially like against a good team, like the bills six and two, you, you have to capitalize on those or you're going to lose the game like they did yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. You look at week two against the Seahawks, they lost 35, 30. Um, and I don't know if you remember from that game, but, uh, Cam Newton had the ball. They put it in his hands to run. Um, they were on like the two yard line, Fourth down, end of the game, biggest biggest situation of the whole game, um, and they couldn't get it done. Uh, yeah, Seahawks Seahawks got um, a stop that seems to be few and far between for that defense this year. Um, all right, next up we have the uh, we have the Titans at the Bengals. Bengals coming out of this one uh, with a thirty-one to twenty win. Um, 
Titans offense couldn't really get much going. They had seven points through the first three quarters. Um, what'd you what'd you think see in this one? Well, I mean, when you're a team like the Titans and you have a running back like Derrick Henry, I feel like your game plan, at least if it wasn't, it should be to eat up the clock and take mm-hmm. as much time as possible. And if you look at the time of possession, the Bengals had 35 minutes while the Titans had 24. So they just couldn't get off the field and their defense couldn't get off the field and make those stops. And the Bengals were just able to chew up that clock and not let the Titans do what they are used to doing. And mm-hmm. I think, I mean, Joe Burrow had a great game. He had 249 yards and two touchdowns. Ryan Tannehill didn't have a bad game, 233 yards and two touchdowns and an interception. But I mean, I think it just came down to time of possession. The Bengals, I mean, they both had the same amount of first downs. The Bengals only had nine more plays than the Titans. So it's not like they were just firing on all cylinders, hitting everything the Titans weren't. They just had the ball longer and made the most of those extra 10 minutes. Yeah, 100%. Uh, in a game where there's only one turnover, um, the the stat sheet really tells the whole story. Um, and, yeah, you're t- totally right. Uh, winning by 11, Cincy uh, had one big, like, big interception – um, and other than that, there were no turnovers in this game, um, and so that that seemed to be seemed to be the difference maker, um, and they were able to able to capitalize and put up put up that eleven point victory. Yeah, another thing though is that um, the Titans really had a problem getting to Joe Burrow. Uh, they actually had zero sacks on the day, and the Bengals were also playing with four backup offensive linemen. So. Mm. If you're a head coach looking at that, especially with the four backup offensive linemen, you're just you're kind of wondering what your defense was doing wrong. Maybe should they bring more pressure or um, need to switch up? Maybe from uh, like a like who's on the field uh, from like a personnel standpoint. Personnel, personnel standpoint, because I mean, if you if you're not getting to the quarterback at all, and then you add up that they have four starters out on the offensive line that's just you're never going to win a game doing that so yeah and you look at uh you look at a guy like um sorry you you look at a guy like Jadavion Clowney who was drafted as to be a compliment to JJ Watt yeah didn't fit had some contract issues went to Seattle didn't do much there and now he's on the Titans team that sacked Joe Burrow zero times mm-hmm. with backup O linemen. Like he's just—he came into the league. Everybody thought he was elite. He was on that Texans front seven that was elite at the time, um, and he has just been struggling recently. Um, I don't—I don't know what to make about that. But I, mean, uh, I don't know because like it, I don't know if you've ever watched a lot of Bengals games. But I'm a Joe Burrow fan, so sure, I do. Sure, and like. It, it looks like he's running for his life most right. of the time yeah. because that, that offensive line is just – it's like running through paper, like I said in our last podcast. Like you can't it's, – it's not good. Right. And then maybe their backups are better. I doubt it. Yeah, or maybe they are. Or maybe it's just the Titans' D-line is just not all it's hyped up to be. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. They, they definitely have some issues on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they put up 20 points, so their offense – I mean, not, not like great – um, but it's not a bad performance, but like like you said, they didn't get a single takeaway, and you're having trouble getting to the quarterback, so you're never going to have success there. Yeah, 100%. Um, all right, going on to the next one. Um, Browns Raiders in a 16-6 to victory on the road for Vegas. Um, 
Brown's offense looked really, really, really bad. Um, Jarvis Landry had a diving catch in the end zone that got called back. Um, and that was pretty much the story of the Browns for that game. Super windy. Uh, I don't know if you saw those videos of uh, the field goal kicker, yeah. the the one that the Raiders guy missed at the very beginning. Um, and he just it just curved all the way out of the uprights. But, uh, yeah. yeah, the Browns uh, really struggled in this one. I mean, I get kind of the same point I made um, about the last game, the time of possession. The Raiders had 37 minutes and the Browns had 22 Um and so, like, you're just looking at that. The Browns obviously didn't have as much time to get anything going. Mm-hmm. And Derek Carr had a pretty good game. I mean, 112 yards, one touchdown. Baker Mayfield had 122 yards, no touchdowns. But um, if you look at their third downs, the Browns were three for 10 on third down, which, like, you're obviously not going to succeed um, being three for 10 because you, you're having to punt the ball. I mean, they kicked two field goals. And so um, you're in those positions to – try and score touchdowns and you're kicking field goals instead and you're never gonna like looking at the cowboys you're never gonna win a game doing that right yeah and so um i think just the inability to keep the offense on the field for the browns is kind of what gave the raiders the edge in this game yeah for sure uh browns are just missing a lot of guys on offense nick chubb being out is yeah definitely definitely a big uh, a big struggle um odell. odell obviously being out um is is something that you don't want, even though he hasn't been super productive, just the, uh, the, the way the defense has to game plan for it and um, scheme for such an elite uh, talent on the outside. Uh, Kareem Hunt only had 66 yards. Um, yeah, they, they, need, they need to get some, some injury help because they, uh, their offense is struggling Yeah, right now, for sure. Um, all right, going to the next game, uh, Colts-Lions. Um, Colts coming up big in this one, winning uh, 41-21, uh, moving them to 5-2 and two and moving Detroit down to 3-4. and four. Um, Kenny Galladay goes out in this one. Um, he yeah. goes down in the first quarter, second quarter. Um, and, yeah, that uh, – even though they had a decent day on offense, um, they uh, they just weren't able to get anything, uh, get enough going, and especially on the defense defensive side of the ball, they weren't able to contain the Colts. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you look at Phil Rivers had a great game, two sixty two and three touchdowns. Matthew Stafford had an even better game, three thirty six and three touchdowns. It's just um, when you lose your star receiver, it's it's just harder to get those points on the board. I mean. Like you said, just I feel like defense wasn't a very big factor in this game, um, and like I mean Matthew Stafford got sacked five times, so that that's something that's holding them back. And uh, Philip Rivers only got sacked twice, so I think um, just the lack of defense on Detroit's side is just kind of what pushed that over the edge. Because I mean you're not gonna ever really win a game giving up 41. Like it's gonna be a rare thing, and also um, Detroit needs to get their running game figured out Mm -hmm. Matthew Stafford has uh, 10 total yards and he's the second leading rusher in the game. Um, Like, are they just not running the ball? I mean, they, they only had uh, 13 carries. So it's like, I mean, you're playing from behind, so you're probably going to want to throw the ball more, but I mean, you're not ever going to be successful if you can't have confidence in your running backs and you're only giving out 13 carries split between four players. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, DeAndre Swift had six carries for one yard. 
you're averaging point two yards of carry. Like that's just <laughs> that's horrible. And so um, I think that in order to win games, like their passing game is obviously on a lock, like three thirty six and three touchdowns. But mm-hmm. I mean, you're looking at. I think they need to get their rushing game figured out if they have any chance of finishing the season with a winning record because you're never going to be successful doing this. Yeah, hundred percent. Thirteen for twenty nine is just. Uh... And again, yeah, they were down, but they were also up 7-0 in the first. Um, yeah. And so 13 carries is like uh, the first quarter for the Colts. Uh, they had 39 carries throughout the game. Um, and so, yeah, it's it uh, it takes a lot of pressure off Matthew Stafford, makes him not have to throw 42 times. Um, and they're just uh, – yeah, it's they just really couldn't get anything going. It feels like that's been kind of the Lions' MO recently. It's been – Injuries at running back with like Carryon Johnson um, the past couple of years, and injuries at running back and just lackluster defense has been uh, has kind of been their their thing. And not not to discredit the Colts at all because they have a very solid defense. Yeah. Um, and obviously thirty nine for one nineteen, thirty nine carries for one hundred nineteen yards and two touchdowns. Uh, they they got a good rushing attack. Um, and then Naheem Hines had two receiving touchdowns. Right. Too, so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, running backs had a good, pretty, pretty good game. Yeah, but uh, overall, just pretty pretty dominant for the Colts in this one. Um, okay. Moving on to the next game, we have the Vikings and the Packers. Uh, this is one that didn't exactly go how I expected to. No. Uh, Packers at home, 5-1 um, and one coming in, and the Vikings 1-5. and five, um, But the Vikings got Dalvin Cook going early and often, and he just ran away with this pun intended like he absolutely just carried that offense 30 for 163 um and three touchdowns rushing along with two receptions for 63 yards and a touchdown receiving um he was just absolutely just dominate in this game uh there's nothing else to say really yeah no i mean it got to the point where i was wondering why they didn't just put nine offensive linemen out there with the quarterback and dalvin cook and Mm -hmm. just give it to him because (laughs) They're, I mean, Adam Thielen led their team with 27 reception yards and three receptions, and Justin Jefferson had three for 26. So, like, I mean, Kirk Cousins only threw the ball 14 times. They didn't need to throw the ball. Yeah. And Dalvin Cook, I mean, literally carried that team. I really thought the Packers were going to win once I saw that the Vikings could not guard Devontae Adams, which seems to be the story of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, every game that Devontae Adams plays against the uh, Pat or the Vikings, he completely tears them apart. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, he had three touchdowns, seven for 53. But, I mean, you, you can't you can't expect to win a game when a running back is putting up 163 and 63 with receiving and four total touchdowns. So, I mean, yeah, Dalvin Cook just did what he needed to do to win the game. Yeah, absolutely. Devontae Adams, seven for 53, like you said, like – not great, seven yards ish, just a reception. Um, but everything more than like six yards down the field, he was in double coverage. Um, so they they gave it to him when they could. Um, gave it to him in the end zone a lot, which um, I had him in fantasy, so that was pretty nice. Um, but in terms of uh, in terms of his overall production, yeah, they just couldn't get it done. And um, they were down twenty one twenty eight late. Uh, scored that touchdown. Um, late and almost kind of looked like they were going to be able to come back uh but but weren't able to um weren't able to stop Dalvin Cook on defense uh, in that last possession and the Vikings just Vikings just took that one I mean yeah I don't think the Packers played poorly at all yeah. um it was a one possession game I mean you score a touchdown you win the game and um 
the Vikings didn't have any turnovers and the Packers had one. So, I mean, if you look at that, you could probably say that was maybe the reason that they lost. Um, they did have nine penalties for 85 total yards while the Vikings only had seven for 36. So, I mean, you're giving up all those free yards and then handing them the ball as well in the turnover. Mm-hmm. The Packers had a higher time of possession and their third down efficiency wasn't great. But, I mean, they had more plays. They had the ball longer. And so, I think – you look at that um, and just see the turnover and the penalty yards, and that's probably what gave it away because you get that possession back, especially with Aaron Rodgers as elite as he is with Devontae Adams back on the field. Yeah, I think they're going into the end zone there. But um, other than that, I think both teams played really well. It was a good game to watch, and uh, I was surprised that the Vikings won. But like I said, I don't think you're ever going to lose a game if you're running back as a stat line like that. No, yeah, he, uh, he absolutely torched that Packers defense. Yeah. All right, moving on to the um, blowout of the week. Uh, Chiefs, Jets. Chiefs win this one 35-9. Pat Mahomes tosses five touchdowns, um, which is more than the Jets can say all season. Uh, They've only thrown four touchdowns this year. Um, I saw a thing, actually. I didn't know this. Um, Jets have thrown four touchdowns this year. uh, Patrick's. Patriots have thrown three. Um, all really? season, the Patriots have three touchdowns, um, which will pass it. Correct. Okay, yeah. Passing touchdowns. Uh, but yeah, that, uh, that was pretty interesting, but yeah, Jets, Jets dropped to Oh, and eight after a just what's new, but a dominant performance by Patrick Mahomes, uh, 31 for 42, four sixteen, and five touchdowns, uh, really spreading the ball out too. Um, I don't think other than Tyreek Hill, nobody had multiple touchdowns. Uh, he yeah. had, he had two, but other than that, Travis Kelsey, Mikael Hardman, and uh, Demarcus Robinson all each had one. Each had one. Um, and then no rushing touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, didn't need them. Yeah, there's there's not much a whole lot to say about this one. Uh, pretty much what we expected. Uh, just elite elite level play from the Chiefs and zero and eight level play from the Jets. Exactly. I mean, the Jets. I mean, it's hard. Like. They haven't had a good game all year, but uh, they produce their lowest total yards in the past two games all season. And, I mean, you, do you credit that to Jameson Crowder being out and Le'Veon leaving? Like, you lose two pretty important players on your offense, and you're already a really bad team, <laughs> to say the least. You're already a bad team. Um, and... I mean, no one ever thought the Chiefs were going to win, but I mean, like, come on, y'all got to, like, compete with them. At yeah. least. But I, I think that since they got rid of Le'Veon and Jamison Crowder being out, um, I just don't think this offense is ever going to be able to do anything efficient. And that it's just – I think it's only going to go downhill. Because, I mean, if you're depending on Frank Gore to win you games and um, – Rashad Perryman was also out this week. Mm-hmm. And so you're just losing a lot of guys and you're depending on a really old running back. And, like, he's great, but you can't like, – you need younger, newer guys. If yeah. you're like, Frank Gore needs to be, like, that goal line guy mm-hmm. that you have. You, you, and well, Michael P. Ryan isn't really doing anything either, 27 total yards. Frank Gore had 30. Um, it's just a lackluster team with not a good offense and an even worse defense. So, like, do they win a game this year? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I don't, I mean, um, looking at the rest of their schedule, Patriots twice, they honestly, with how bad the Patriots looked, 
may steal one of those if know. if they get healthy. Um, it was a three point game with the six and two Bills. I mean, yeah, but I mean, they don't look good. But like the Jets only it. lost to the Bills by ten. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I mean, looking at like they play the Dolphins. I mean, feel like that game could go either way. Although know, the Dolphins look pretty good. We'll see. We'll see. I. I. Yeah. I. I don't know. I can't imagine they win a game this year, but yeah. don't think it's impossible. Probably not going to happen. Yeah. All right. Um, going on to the next game of the week. Um, which if you watched, if you watched our preview video, um, I made a pretty, I made a pretty bold call on this one. Uh, Dolphins Rams. Uh, and I think I think if they can get a lead early, um, I don't know if I believe in Jared Goff to uh, come back in this game here. Um, but I, I could see it being close. Um, but I, I'm going to take the Dolphins here just uh, just to spice things up a little bit. The Dolphins coming up with the upset, uh, 28 to 17. Um, in big part, if not in all part to uh, their defense um, because Tua did not look good. 12 for 22, 93 yards and a touchdown. And to be fair, um, when your defense is scoring touchdowns or punt return touchdowns or an interception that they go down on the one and you just hand it off to your running back, um, he did pretty much all he needed to do. Um, didn't turn the ball over, which was huge uh, because well, – Aside from that first fumble in his first play, pretty much. Um, but yeah. did, didn't throw any picks. Um, took care of the ball for the most part. Um, and I think that was that was the story of the game. Rams had four turnovers. Miami had two. Um, and you look at the yardage. Uh, the Rams had 300 more total yards than the, uh, the Dolphins did. They had 14 more minutes uh, time of possession. The Rams had 31 first down to Miami's eight. Um, but, yeah, if you had... You started the Dolphins' defense in uh, in fantasy this week. You're happy because um, they had two touchdowns, four turnovers. Uh, yeah, they they definitely won that game. Miles um, Gaskin for the Dolphins had 18 for 47 and one touchdown. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty defensive game for the Dolphins. I mean, yeah, they, they have a top 10 defense, and I think it showed. Obviously, um, I can. Personally, say at least to the best of my memory, I don't think I've ever seen a team have 300 less total yards than a, another team and win the game mm-hmm. handily. And so, like, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't think Tua was going to do well, and I, he didn't do bad. Like you said, he did what he needed to do: 93 yards and a touchdown. I mean, what the touchdown was a three-yard pass to Devontae Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was good and. But I don't think they're going to win any games if he keeps performing like that. That being said, he wasn't on the field as much as the Rams were. Like, Jared Goff is 355 yards because, I mean, he was on the field a lot more. Um, And so, if the Dolphins' defense can carry them to wins like that every week, good for them. But I don't think that's going to happen. But, yeah, no, I think it was a great win for the Dolphins. They proved that they were a top 10 defense and really showed out here. And I mean, their offense 
I, I don't want to say it was bad, though, because they didn't do a lot of bad stuff. They just weren't on the field. Like, right. They didn't, like, I want to see a game where Tua is constantly on the field and gets a chance to prove himself. Because after that fumble, he looked good. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't really look flustered a lot. There were times where you could see the inexperience showing. But, I mean, other than that, like, he did what he had to do. And so I'm excited to see, hopefully, in another game where Tua is, like, on the field, on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and... But yeah, no. Like, if you if you have a punt return for a touchdown, and then two basically pick sixes, right? Like down to the one yard line, and then another pick six. You're you're gonna like, I mean, you're you're gonna win the game. Um, and so no, like you said, very very uh, good defense from the Dolphins, and I think personally good offense from the Rams, except the turnovers. I mean, like if you look at the yardage output, it was great, but you yeah. just have to. If you take away those turnovers, I think the Rams win the game easily. Yeah, Jared Goff threw the ball 61 times. Cooper Cup had 22 targets. Um, 11 receptions on those. Um, And, yeah, they were just playing from behind, obviously throwing the ball a lot. Um, But, yeah, they – the Dolphins got up up big and early. And if you remember remember from Friday what I said, I said – I. that if the Dolphins get up early, I don't think Jared Goff uh, really has it in him to come back, um, and that's that's pretty much how it happened. Uh, he tried, um, gave it his best effort, 51 completions, 355 yards, uh, and a touchdown, but those two picks. Um, yeah, this game reminded me a lot of Saturday's uh, Texas versus Oklahoma State game. Yeah. Oklahoma State uh, had 250 more total yards, um, 17 more first downs in Texas, but they had five turnovers. Um, yeah, and that it's like looking at stats. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. Oklahoma state seemed like they were the better team in every aspect. Um, except, except they couldn't hold onto the ball. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much exactly what happened here. Exactly. All right. Um, next up we have, uh, the Steelers. Um, they, they advanced to seven and oh, uh, Ravens fall to five and two on, a pretty interesting game. Um, it felt like at the beginning, uh, first half, the Ravens were up 17-7. to seven. Um, It felt like Lamar Jackson was kind of in control in that first half. Um, and then second half, he just kind of yeah. did not did not look very well. Uh, he had – he went 13 for 28, 208 yards, two touchdowns with two picks. Um, yeah. J.K. Dobbins had a great game, uh, 15 for 133. Um, a lot of that came in the second half. Yeah. Um, but uh, Big Ben and the Steelers come out with this one. Um, tw- Big Ben, I mean, he went 21 for 32, 182, and two touchdowns. Um, but, yeah, I mean, coming into this, we knew the Steelers' defense was elite. Um, we know the Ravens' defense in the past couple of years has been elite. Um, and, and that was kind of the story of the game. But we uh, – um, it looked like it looked like the Ravens uh, could take this one early, but yeah, a couple late turnovers by the Ravens, um, and they uh, they kind of gave this one to the Steelers, I think. I mean, yeah, you, you look at it, and it's kind of like the Dolphins game. I mean, the Ravens had 200 more yards, um, more time on offense, more drives, but like like you said, the four turnovers, it's hard to win a game with four turnovers. Yeah. All of them coming at the hand of Lamar Jackson. You have to wonder. Um, he's coming off a game where he threw for a career low 97 total yards. Um, like, is the hype train done? Is he just in a dud? Um, I mean, his his stats, other than the fumbles, isn't like they're good. 208 for two touchdowns, but 
you have four turnovers and um, you're just not getting those chances to score on offense because, I mean, you have four turnovers and you lose by four. So, right. like, those, those are four more possessions you have a chance to do something with. And, I mean, you're never you're never going to get that chance if you're giving the team the other team the ball. And the, the Steelers' defense did kind of come out to play. They had four sacks and four takeaways. So, I mean, you kind of have to credit that to their defense. Um, and then you're starting with a short field every time you get a turnover. So, it's just – easy pickings for Ben Roethlisberger. And yeah. Pretty solid offense, I feel like. Yeah, especially se- yeah, second half they really uh they really took advantage of those um of those turnovers outscoring the Ravens uh 21-7 in the second yeah. or in second half of the game. Um and uh yeah, they really uh they really that one came down to the wire. Um Ravens had the ball late, put the ball on the floor and uh and Steelers were able to come up with the win. Yep. Um all right, moving on to uh an AFC East showdown, uh, AFC West showdown um, between the Chargers and Broncos. Uh, both came into this game uh, two and four. Um, really thought the Chargers had this one. Um, looking at looking at it, uh, 14-3 at half, um, 24-10 at the end of the third. But the Broncos put up 21 in the fourth, um, and they were they were able to come back. That seems like the story of the. Uh, of the Los Angeles Chargers the past few years. Yeah, and especially this season. So this is actually the Chargers' fourth loss this season after leading by 10 points and the fourth straight game where they've blown at least a 16-point lead. Um, I have no advice for them. I mean, you, yeah. you're, like, you're, you're, you're doing well. It's just you can't finish the game. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you're playing against a Broncos team who doesn't have Von Miller, Cortland Sutton, or Jarrell Casey. And... That's why, I mean, I expected Bronco to not really even get close in this game. I mean, Justin Herbert is having a really good year, except he threw two interceptions yesterday. Drew Locke showed out yesterday, 248 for three touchdowns. Um, I mean, I, I I really don't know how they lost this game. They just did. Yeah. I mean, I personally, me, I kind of stopped I started watching the other games because mm-hmm. they were up by so much. I was like, that's a lock. Like, we got that pick right. Right. Um, but it's just like I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the Chargers need to do to maintain a 16-point lead and do differently. But I mean, if you're having a at the time, what, what was it, two and four Broncos mm-hmm. um, come back from that deficit and you lose on a last play, I, I think you need to switch up either personnel or defensive game plan because that's just horrific. Yeah, and just like letting. A, I mean, the Chargers aren't a great team, anyways. They're two and five now, but you can't let a two and four Broncos team do that to you, especially yeah. once you shredded them for thirty points and then just just to lose on the last play of the game. Yeah, uh, coming into this game, I didn't really expect Phil Lindsay to play, um, and he came out and just absolutely was as efficient as possible. It seems like yeah. six for eighty-three and a touchdown, had that big sixty-five yard run. Um, and that's kind of – he kind of brings an explosiveness to that Broncos team that they don't have in a lot of other places. Melvin Gordon's a tough physical runner, um, but in terms of uh, in terms of kind of bringing quickness and explosiveness, uh, he's kind of passed, passed his age on that one. Um, and Philip Lindsay is kind of that uh, – kind of that piece that they, they need. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, uh, one second left on the clock, that pass to K.J. Hamler in the 
front right of the end zone um, and him just being able to get inside, uh, get down uh, inbounds. Um, that was, that was for sure big. Yeah. I mean, like, you, like we said about the last couple games, you look at this statistically, I feel like the Chargers easily have this game. They had 28 first downs. The Broncos had seven, uh, 84 total yards. The Broncos or total plays. The Broncos had 59, um, 485 total yards. The Broncos had 351. Uh, they had less penalties for less yards um, and just one more turnover with 11 more minutes of possession. So, like, you look you look at that stat sheet and you say, well, obviously the Chargers win this game. But, um, yeah, I, I really don't know what Drew Locke was able to do, but he did it and got it done. And mm-hmm. so, um, I don't know, you just – I don't know what the Chargers game plan is going into this next week, but they need to change something. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, going on to the last, well, not the last, one of the other um, mid-afternoon games, uh, Saints-Bears. Saints pull this one off in OT, uh, coming out with a 26-23 win. What did you think about this one? I mean, as a Saints fan, I'm happy with the win, but... um, the Saints just need to stop digging themselves into holes. Mm-hmm. This is their fourth consecutive come-from-behind victory. So, I mean, if you can keep winning, then keep winning. But you also have to look. Um, the Saints were without uh, Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, and Marquez Callaway. So, like, all of those are pretty big receivers on the team. Um, and I'm excited because they all have a chance to return next week. But, like, the Saints – their offense just looks kind of like a dud right now. Yeah. Um, Drew Brees isn't throwing the ball deep anymore. There was this one drive where he threw like four, three or four straight 20 yard passes. And I think he went two for four or something, one for four. One was a touchdown to Jared Cook. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of got me excited. Like looking at the old Drew Brees again, kind of, I mean, he's not throwing like 60 yards, but throwing it down the field past the line of scrimmage at least not right the mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> i just think that their offense is starting to move a little slower and is a little lackadaisical but um it's efficient but it's just you can't keep putting yourself behind in a game and expecting to win even though you've done it four weeks in a row yeah and so that worries me for the saints in the future but they were able to get it done yeah i think I think if they are able to get um, get Michael Thomas back out there, because it, seem, it seems like watching Drew Brees, he just doesn't have a lot of confidence in a lot of his guys no. uh, that he's throwing the ball to. He obviously loves throwing it to Kamara, 13 targets. Yeah. Um, Jared Cook has also kind of emerged as one of his favorites this year. Um, but, yeah, it seems like uh, he, when he doesn't have that big, reliable receiver, Michael Thomas, he uh, – he kind of is a little gun shy to throw it down the, to put it down the field, um, and I think I think if he's able to come back this week, um, I would love him for fantasy uh, because it's been eight weeks and I haven't been able to start him. But also, uh, I think I think it would definitely help the Saints a lot and get their offense um, uh, make, just make them be a little more explosive and a little bit uh, put a couple more points on the board early so they don't they don't fall behind like you said. Yeah, I mean like. I don't expect you to know this, but like watching Drew Brees for a long time, he used to have a lot more confidence in his receivers, and especially when he had Darren Sproles. I mean, I don't think he's as good as Alvin Kamara, but he plays typically the same way, kind of that pass back 
pass catching back. Right. And um, he would he would still throw it to Darren Sproles a lot, but you would see him actually going through his progressions. Now I feel like it's more of Drew Brees. He gets the ball and immediately looks straight to the right, or right straight to the left, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Where is Alvin Kamara?" Or he either runs that little option route, right, like uh, where he cuts down the middle, right. Yeah. So. I feel like Drew Brees, just once he gets Emmanuel Sanders and Michael Thomas back at least, he'll have like his two top guys. Um, I feel like he really liked Traquan Smith. He had seven targets and five receptions, but he's he's not really going super far down the field either. So um, I, think, I think once he gets his full receiver lineup, at least I hope, he will start going through his progressions a little more and maybe have a little more confidence in those guys. And then that'll also cause the defense to probably switch up their um, the way they play against the Saints. Because, like, right now, if, I, if I'm a defense playing against the Saints, I'm playing straight man coverage and I'm blitzing a lot. Because right. Drew Brees obviously isn't taking the time to look at receivers. And if you're worried about Alvin Kamara either running it or um, – catching it then you need a man on him at all times and if you blitz um then you try to stuff up the middle for alvin kamara so right once you get michael thomas and emmanuel sanders in there then teams will probably have to shade a little more towards michael thomas's way because he is one of the best receivers in the league at least he was last year for sure i haven't really seen him play this right this year but um yeah no i'm looking forward to that for sure uh all right moving on to uh seattle versus the niners um Seattle comes away with this one uh, in this one with a 37-27 win. Um, it really wasn't that close for most of the game. Uh, you, you're looking at it. Fourth quarter, the Niners put up 20. Uh, but, yeah, they uh, seemed kind of like a dud before that. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo exits in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, and Nick Mullins comes in and honestly has a very solid stat line. 18 for 25, 238, and two touchdowns. Um George Kittle also left in the third quarter, uh, maybe second. Um, and Brandon Ayuk and Kendrick Bourne actually both stepped up um, on 10 and 11 targets. They each had eight receptions. Uh, Ayuk had 91 and a touchdown, and Bourne had 81. Um, and they were able to uh, kind of be the focal points of that offense um, with, that, with Kittle being injured. Um, but, yeah, they uh, for the most of the game, just the Niners' offense could not get anything going. I mean – it's we talked about Seattle's defense last week, and I feel like it's really hard to say a team is improving while they gave up 27, but they did because the Seahawks have set an official record this year um, for the most yards allowed through six games. And I mean, they allowed a decent amount of yardage, but you're like, I mean, they got better. They, I mean, I think I said they were averaging 30 points allowed and they got 27. So, like, they're showing some improvement. Mm-hmm. They had a takeaway. Or how many takeaways did they have? I know they had one interception. Did they have any fumble recoveries? Uh, they had one, one fumble. fumble. So, you have two takeaways. So, you're obviously doing something right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just feel like a team is going to have to score 40 points against the Seahawks to have a chance because they're – I, I think, like, they're the best. You can argue the Bucks maybe, but I think the Seahawks have the best offense in the league because it, it's just – it's a crazy stat line <clears throat> for someone every week. Although, one annoying thing as a fantasy owner is I feel like Russell Wilson either only throws it to DK or only Tyler Lockett. Mm-hmm. And, like, you see Tyler Lockett <clears> – excuse me. You see Tyler Lockett coming off, like I said, I think – other than Julio's game against the Panthers, um, the best 
wide receiver performance that I've at least personally seen. And then he just has four receptions for 33 yards and five targets. But DK, um, 12 receptions, 161, and two touchdowns. Like, um, and part of that was him breaking off that pretty long one. But still, like, um, to stop Seattle, you're going to have to stop two of the best, I feel like, receivers in the league. And they have both been solidly – or consistently producing all year. And it just it does, doesn't seem like there's someone who can really stop the Seahawks. Yeah. And so I thought the Seahawks defense was going to give away the win, but, I mean, 37 points is hard to beat. And so especially with you have Jimmy Garoppolo exiting and George Kittle exiting, I don't know the severity of their injuries, but mm-hmm. you kind of have to worry about the 49ers because they're already a banged-up team. Right. And so – I mean, if Nick Mullins can keep doing what he was doing, then I have a little less fear for them. But going on, I'm a little, a little scared for the 49ers. Yeah, and a team that uh, really got to the Super Bowl by running the football um, was 22 rushes for 52 yards. Uh, Jermichael Hasty did not have a great game. Tevin Coleman had three for 20, but that was pretty much, pretty much the extent of uh, the Niners' running game. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think the Seahawks' offense is just unstoppable it feels like because it seems like every week uh the team game plans for whoever had the big game last week um because tyler lockett obviously had the great stat line last week insane game um and it it felt like the niners kind of game plan for that um but just either completely forgot about dk metcalf or just he just came out there and totally uh totally beat up on him um but even then i don't know how you game plan for uh, like say you double cover Metcalf and Lockett, that's four of your 11 guys. Yeah. Um, and they still have like DJ Moore and Will Disley. Uh, they can beat you at tight end. They can beat you at uh, even their third best receiver is really solid. And when you have Russell Wilson throwing the ball um, or running the ball, yeah. uh, he can really just do whatever he wants out there. It feels like 27 for 37, 261 and four passing touchdowns. I mean, also, I was a little worried about the Seahawks' offense this week, not really when it comes to the passing game, but you have Chris Carson out, and then Carlos Hyde ended up being a game-time decision, mm-hmm. and he was ruled out. But DJ Dallas stepped up, mm-hmm. and he had a really good game, actually. He had two total touchdowns, one rushing, one receiving, and, I mean, the the average yards, he averaged 2.3 on 18 for 41, so that's not great, but, I mean, he did step up and score those two much-needed touchdowns. Um, to help put the Seahawks over the 49ers. And so he's emerging as a good back. At least he did in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once they get Carlos Hyde and Chris Carson back, I feel like this is going to be easily the most unstoppable offense in the league. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I totally agree with you there. I don't think uh, I don't think a lot of teams are going to be able to stop them. Uh, yeah, for sure. It feels like, it feels like last week Russ kind of gave that game away in overtime uh, against Arizona, and I yeah. think I think that's how they're going to lose their games. Yeah, um, is if is them losing it for, them losing it for the? Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine they're uh, they're going to get beat by too many teams when they put up thirty five a game or whatever it is. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, and then finally going on to the Sunday night game, if you can even call it a game, um, Eagles uh, further their lead in the. NFC East standings uh, with a 23 to nine win over the Cowboys. Uh, they're now three, four and one and the Cowboys are two and six. Um, is there anything about this game that was just not hard to watch? I mean, I don't, I personally don't understand how a team wins 23 to nine while your quarterback has four total turnovers. He had two fumbles, two interceptions. And now Wentz actually has, at 16, the most turnovers in the NFL. 
followed by um, I think it's Kirk Cousins and um, Daniel Jones mm-hmm. tied at eleven. But so you have a quarterback in the league that has the most turnovers by a pretty decent amount, five turnovers, and you're at the top of your division. Um, the Cowboys have scored one touchdown in three straight games, yeah, and we talked about that yesterday, and the only time they scored was in, like, garbage time versus the Cardinals. Right. Um, and then you go to score three field goals against the Eagles and one field goal against Washington. And so I understand you have to deal with the Dak injury, but, I mean, you just – you have to be able to do something on offense. You're, you're, I don't – like – if this is how their team keeps playing, I could not see them winning another game because you need to score touchdowns. As great as field goals are, you need to score touchdowns. Right. Um, and they're just not doing that. I mean, honestly, I know Danucci fumbled twice, and I feel like as a, his first game starting, it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't good. Yeah. Um, I think most of that is due to just inexperience. Like, one of his fumbles I saw came from – uh, he was stepping back in the pocket, and at a time when, like, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, those types of guys would step up in the pocket and avoid the pressure, he kept dropping back and just got absolutely rocked. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of Danucci's struggles are coming from just inexperience and um, just not have ever, like, started a game before. So, um I think ho- hopefully for the Cowboys, he gets better and a little more comfortable unless Andy Dalton comes back. Um, and so, and I guess we'll see where they go from there. But no, not just a very abysmal game by the Cowboys. Yeah, it was tough. And like you were saying, it wasn't a great game for the Eagles either. Um, and that's kind of how the NFC East has been this season. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it was tough. Tough to watch for sure. Yeah. I don't... <sighs> It's like it feels like the Cowboys are just. I mean, Zeke had nineteen rushes, which is obviously a lot, but it seemed like every time he was on the field, that was all they did with him was either rush or he wasn't there because Tony Pollard had more receptions, more receiving yards. Um, Tony Pollard also had seven carries for forty, which is better than on a yards per carry basis better than Zeke's 19 for 63. Um, It seemed like they were using Tony Pollard and the Cowboys had the ball down nine to 15 um, late in that fourth quarter. They ended up fumbling um, and the Eagles ended up scoring on it, but Tony Pollard was in the football game. Um, it, It didn't make a lot of sense to me when you have Zeke who is still obviously an elite talent. Um, to sideline him, yeah, he had those that three fumble game against Arizona, but I or two fumble, I guess. But I don't get how you just sideline him in the biggest part of the game when it's a division game. The winner is literally the in first in the division, and you can come away with that win. I I don't I don't get their uses of Zeke. I think I don't know. I, I, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me what uh, what the Cowboys are doing over there. No, I just think that whole team needs to get figured out because, I mean, they're just not good. Yeah. yeah it's, sorry it's, if you're a Cowboys fan. 100%. Your team just sucks. Yeah, like, worse. By far – well, maybe not. Maybe The Seahawks might be close, but uh, 
they the 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 worst defense passing defense at least in in the NFL. Um, you look at fantasy and you're like, my receiver's playing the Cowboys. That's a guaranteed twenty five. Yeah. It feels like. Um, and yeah, it's just Travis Fulgham actually had a pretty solid game for the Eagles, six for seventy eight and uh and a touchdown in the second half. Um, he. He's been pretty good this year. Probably one of the only bright spots aside from Miles Sanders, but he's injured. Um, I like Boston, Boston Scott, honestly. Yeah. 15 for 70, but I mean, once Miles uh, Sanders comes back, I don't think Boston Scott's going to have much of a role. 100%. Um, he, he's kind of like, he reminds me of what Darren's roles was for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Um, same body size, pretty much. Yeah. And like, same gameplay, uh, game style. And so, I think once. Miles Sanders comes back, I, at least I hope. The Eagles' offense is a little more efficient, but I don't think it's going to help them too much. I just think that whole division is just horrible. Yeah, it's 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 really bad. Um, yeah, I totally agree. I started Boston Scott in fantasy this week. Um, didn't do didn't do great from a fantasy perspective, but that offense is just so bad. That that both teams are just so bad, and I don't know. I don't really know where to go with that. No. Um, all right. Well, uh, we kind of kind of talked about this game on Friday, but uh, I guess we can, since it's the day of, we can kind of go back over it. Um, Monday Night Football, uh, Tampa heads to New York to take on the Giants. Um, obviously, Tampa's been really good this year. Giants have been really not good. Um, Daniel Jones is the is New York's leading rusher with 296 yards. I mean, he can't even stay up on a breakaway touchdown. Um, Chris Godwin's out, um, which I do think, especially this week uh, before the Tampa or before Tampa gets Antonio Brown, um, I do think that's going to be at least relevant, um, something to think about. Um, I don't think they're going to win. Obviously, I still think they're going to lose by 20, but um, that's one less. That's one less uh, weapon for for Brady to throw to. Yeah, I know. I mean, like, it. Chris Godwin's out, but so is Devontae Freeman. So you see, the Giants are losing their number one running back, um, and so I just don't really see their. That, that I don't see that they have a high potential in this game. I mean, ESPN says they have a 17% chance to win. I don't even think it's that high. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel Jones this year has five touchdowns and seven interceptions, where you look at Tom Brady has 18 touchdowns and four interceptions. Um, it's just their offense is really I think that four is doing – Their offense is really not that good, and, um, and I think it's going to show today. Although, I do like um, – you like Gronk. He didn't catch a single touchdown, but he is a touchdown in the last two games. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he's uh, starting to show out as that old Brady Gronk duo that we used to see on the Patriots. Right. But I feel like Brady is at least getting a little more comfortable with him in the red zone. Um, even though Brock, or even though Gronk has said that he's only there to block, um, he's obviously getting a little more targets and action near the end zone. So I think that that's going to play a big part. And Scotty Miller's having a good year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think you have Scotty Miller. You still have Mike Evans. He's playing right. Mm-hmm. And then Gronk, I just don't really see the Giants' offense being able to um, outplay the Buccaneers' offense. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and you look at you look at uh, Scotty Miller's big games throughout the entire season, and they've all been games that Chris Godwin's have been injured. Um, 
when he's there, he's kind of like obviously the third the third target and kind of gets put on the back burner a little bit. But uh, he's leading the team in receiving yards um, over Mike Evans, over Gronk, I guess, um, over Godwin. Godwin's been hurt, obviously. But, um, yeah, he's 365 receiving yards on 22 receptions um, and two touchdowns. Um, and I think I do think he's going to have a big impact in tonight's game because um, Mike Evans is just I, – it feels like he's either – he either gets – 150 yards on eight catches and two touchdowns, or he gets one catch for seven yards yeah, and just doesn't doesn't see, he's a non-factor in the game. But against a really 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 bad Giants defense, I can't imagine uh, he's going to be held at bay too hard. Yeah, no. I mean, like if you, if you look at the Giants, Giants last five games, games they have they have lost to the 49ers, lost to the Rams, somehow lost to the Cowboys. Somehow also beat Washington by one. I mean, I just don't think either of those teams are good at all. Yeah. And then lost to Philly by one. So, like, their only good competition they lose to by a decent amount. And their last three games against Dallas, Washington, and Philly, you're, it's a three-point game, a one-point game, and a one-point game. And, yeah, granted, they win one against Washington, but, like, I'm just saying, you see how they played against the 49ers. It's a 36-9 to loss. Um, and I think the Buccaneers are loads better than the 49ers, so I just think it's going to be an even worse game for the Giants. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, I think I think kind of an underrated part of the Bucs this, uh, this year is their defense has actually been um, pretty solid. Um, it's It hasn't been top-tier elite, um, but they, uh, they definitely have um, – come up big in some spots and force a bunch of key turnovers in big games. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think I'm starting their defensive fantasy because I just do not believe in Daniel Jones and the Giants. Um, yeah. But I think, yeah, I think the Bucks come out of this one big. I'm going to go – I'm going to predict the score. I think okay. – I think Tampa wins this one – 31 to 10. 10? Yeah, I think... Um, I. Th- yeah, 31 to 10. I mean, they... The Giants... Or Daniel Jones will throw a good pass, like two good passes the entire night, and one of them will go for a touchdown. I think maybe maybe 35 to 10. I'm going 35-6. I don't think the Giants put up a touchdown. All right, well, I guess we'll see. put up a touchdown, they're missing the extra point. That... That could happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's funny. All right. I think that does it uh, for this this week's recap of uh, week eight in the NFL. Um, overall, good week. Um, everybody enjoy watching this Bucks beat down to the Giants. Um, make sure to follow us on Twitter if you haven't already, um, at Dual Threat. Um, and also, uh, I think we mentioned this in another video, but our podcasts are also on Spotify. Um, and so if you, uh, if you can't take a watch or... Um, whatever you can only listen, uh, then make sure to go, go follow us on Spotify as we just post the audios of all these, uh, videos there. Um, and I think that's it. Uh, we will see you, see you tomorrow for, uh, for our next video and, um, uh, peace out. Peace.